connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. Thank you. Um, good afternoon. I would like to welcome um, Lori Henderson. Hi, Becca. Hey. Um, working on my uh, technical skills and um, really happy <laughs> that you could uh, join me today on the Lucado podcast. Um, the topic is going to be whatever comes up between us to share. Um, you're familiar with healing work and my healing work and your healing work and our healing work and the work in this area. And so um, I just invite you to share whatever part of your life you would like and ask any questions you would like. And um, as we learn more about each other, because only you and I are here, we invite the audience to learn with us. So thank you for saying yes. Oh. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm squish I'm squitching around in my chair, trying to get comfortable. <laughs> ah, here we go. All okay. right. Mm-hmm. It's good to be here with you, Becca. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask um, just a, a general question, like, what did you do, and when you did you decide you wanted to do healing work, and what did you do before? Oh, okay. Um, well. I was, um, I felt like I started my healing journey when I was born into my family of origin. Okay. Which I parachuted in. Okay. So um, that always felt like I didn't belong. So when the feeling of not belonging had created me to be searching for where I did belong. All right. And so um, the... The way that it started was um, kind of, you know, when you're a kid and uh, you're different and, you know, you can't tell your right from your left and you have dyslexia uh-huh. and you're born in the very intellectual family and you're like, whoa, what, what happened here? Where did, where did I come from? Yeah. So, so when I look back on that, my healing journey started as soon as I could start to, to talk. Because I was born like um, a peacemaker in my family. I was a real, uh, like a Buddha. I didn't cry. I never cried. I never, I was just real peace. I was peace. And my family was um, a little not peace. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then the whole journey, you know, like going into the Western medicine um, after uh, going and getting my degree in um, cardiac ultrasound, I, I ended up being like a specialist, uh, working in the cardiac ultrasound field. And, All right. uh, that was, uh, an amazing journey to really understand people's hearts. So even if you are not intelligent, you are not lacking in intelligence to be able to be trained for your job, right? Well, that was kind of funny. I don't know how I got a degree because... Well, I got mine later in life and I can say the same thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, it's, uh, you know, I have this Bachelor of Science degree with not really ever being able to spell or not being able to do math. 
and getting a science degree with organic chemistry and all the the things I had to take, um, I don't I, I don't know how I accomplished it, but but you did. Yes, and it's 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 amazing because um, when you're born in this in this other way, you have this like I would call it emotional intelligence or intuition or these superpowers that make healers healers, right? That don't aren't traditional um, high achievers in in uh, in academics. But I got a a good I got a good degree and I had pretty good. Great point average. Exactly. And I, I think um, I think we're not judging intelligence as a, a block to intuition or uh, being intuitive so that you don't use your intelligence. I don't think we're saying that. We're just describing where you feel you come from. And, and I really like the fact that you think you were born in, as a healer because I think we can all heal. And when we look at when it began... Well, it really began before whatever we can think of. So birth, to me, is the perfect time to own that. So then you had this job as a cardiac pulmonary. What did you say? I had a cardiorespiratory degree. I had a Bachelor of Science degree, and I was a respiratory therapist. And then I went into cardiac ultrasound. Okay. And um, in my cardiac ultrasound um, way, uh, I ended up working... For the company that um, developed the ultrasound equipment. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Now, as a person who I have had a lot of medical experience as a patient mm-hmm. and a lot of helping as a volunteer in the medical field, and I have some working knowledge of um, the theory behind where all illness comes from. And... In today's world, we treat physical illness as illness, but mental illness doesn't necessarily fall into a specific treatment plan. But when you start to look at if ulcers are caused from stress and high blood pressure is caused from um, outside forces, then, then it's not a physical thing from inside of you. It's how you react to that. And... Um, there's, I've read in a number of places that no one has heart surgery or heart issues if they didn't have a broken heart first. Mm-hmm. So we, we bring this kind of sense. We don't have to tell people and they don't have to have this belief system. But when you understand that every illness has been somebody's issue that manifested in their tissue, as we say, or in their body, then we bring that without judgment, to whatever else they're doing for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's amazing that what I see visibly on your chest looks like a heart. Is it a heart? Yes. Okay. So you're wearing this. (laughs) I'm wearing wearing a flying heart. She's wearing a flying heart of her own design as an artist Mm -hmm. and is telling me she worked in a cardiac Mm -hmm. and development cardiac position and a degree in science, and now you're about flying hearts. I am. What a connection. Yes. I love it. It's so wonderful. So then um, when I knew you, I never knew you ever did anything except art. That's interesting, yeah. So like, uh, And I have to like, it's kind of interesting when you know if you were born a healer, you know, or 
everyone is a healer. So I, I'm not going to, I think every single person that's alive on this planet right now has a gift to share totally. in some way healing aspects. And so I hope that, you know, whatever you can take from my story and maybe, you know, apply it to yourself. But there was a time where um, I was like the top one in my field and I traveled around the world because I was the number one cardiac ultrasound person in the world. <laughs> and I, I had this really high prestige, um, very egoic, um, position. Um, and when I spoke, like MIT engineers listened. <laughs> and I knew it was time for me to not do that anymore. Right. And, um, so when I moved here, I started the art, uh, the, the artist chapter. Um, and art, I feel, is healing. You mean the artist chapter of your life? Yes. Yeah. Right. And you do belonging? What's my name on my um, website is reclaimbelonging.com. So right. it's reclaim belonging. Yeah. So from what you've told me so far, which I never knew before, even though we're friends and, and we have fun and we work together as healers, in a way, you are reclaiming that you always belonged mm-hmm. just in that name. Yes. And and how many people feel they don't belong? I don't know. I think it's pretty prevalent. Well, yeah, because we, you know, we we were born into this situation that we had to figure out why, and then we just go forward. And there's a lot of the whole thing of healership is about getting your own act together, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so your whole journey has been, I see another level of that yeah so i saw you and i knew that you were an artist and and like i always could relate to artists and then and then i met you because you had started to do um the the camino Mm -hmm. that walk and and you had also been to peru a few times for training as a shaman so how did you decide to do those things? Did your art bring you there or your heart? <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> you know, to, um, you know, to, to be an expert in, in the field of watching people's hearts. Yeah. Um, in, in surgery and, um, in ultrasound so you can actually witness. And I spent a lot of time watching my own heart. I had to scan my own heart and making it. And and part of my job was making things beautiful. I had to. I, I was a really in in grayscale or even color. I I have this eye that can make things beautiful. And I also realized I had a, a spatial relations uh, ability because I can see three um, D space. Um, right. So uh, I always loved to dance, and so I, I used to come down here all the time to dance. And the, my inspiration for even thinking I had, I, I did art in college, but, you know, I, I was told I should get a, a job that I could support, real support my child. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but then the job I had was artistic because I did marketing materials and I had to come up with training tools and I did a lot of art stuff with that. Was it all graphic or? I would make things. I would like make a 3D model and I'd okay. say, you know, we could make this into a marketing tool for education. And I, and I went around and I, and I taught. I was, I used to teach what we developed so that, you know, I would teach our whole, the whole world, the products that we made. So I was always like kind of in the art, but very practical left brain art. 
And then this right brain started to pull at me. And it was really Dennis Paul Williams's work. Um, and when he's, when I get this little, just, I can just see it. Art is my meditation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those watercolors, the surreal call of the feminine energies of this divine feminine called me. And I started to make these watercolors l- like these, these, these. So I did this whole series before I even moved down here of watercolors. That you had been inspired to do after seeing Dennis's work. Yes. Did you meet him in person or you just saw his uh-uh. work? I only saw his work. I had, you know, I knew him from, you know, playing in the Nathan and Zydeco Chachas, but right. I never, I never met him. And so I started, uh, creating this whole series of art. And then it was probably six years by the time I, I, my left brain was really uh, kicking in and I wanted to make sure I, <clears throat> I saved a lot of money so I could retire early. But I really didn't retire early, but I, I, I saved a lot of money and then I was, the plan was to be the artist. And so I had, had made that plan when I was still working in the big corporate job. And so you are. Now I am a, yeah, I'm an artist and a, so I would call you, I would call you a healing artist. Mm. Because I think that's the definition that healing is an art. It is, yeah. In the same way that cooking is an art mm-hmm. and that art is a science because the relationship is about art and what we express in, you know, art is relationship. And so you can't have art and science without the other piece. Even if you only know about one, the other can support it in some way. Well, Does know, that make sense to you? Yeah, I, yeah. I think look, I think um, everyone's an artist and everyone's oh, a healer. Yes, yes, yes. And everyone can sing. If you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. Everyone, we were born human with these capacities to create, and I and in in, in in just in the breath of being breathed, we are creators. We think something, we create something. Everyone has that ability, whether they have embraced it. Or not. Exactly. It is it's just a perception it's shift. Yeah. yeah, it is innate. Mm-hmm. Well, did you know that that quote comes from Zimbabwe? Art is my meditation? No. no. If you can walk? Yes. You can, it's, yes. it's a Zimbabwe quote. I've never been there, but I've used it myself. I think that's cool. And then I add to that, and if you touch with love, you can heal. That's right. So that's just like so beautiful and so simple. So you you came here to do art? I came here, yeah, for the lifestyle, art, music, dancing. So I have an interesting question. Well, I think all my questions are interesting because I want to know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so my question is, when you came here because of the dancing and the music and the, the lifestyle that you speak of, did you know anything about the depth of our spirituality? Did you know anything about the healing aspect of the Cajun or Creole culture that you have met since you've been here? No. Yeah, because a lot of things draw people to us and they don't understand the depth. Hell, we don't even understand our own depth. So that's just interesting. I wanted to ask about that. So when one time I've been doing these things I call healing arts gatherings, and I invited you to present one time, after you had come back from the Camino, mm-hmm. do you remember what year that was? 
Yeah, it was, um, it was eight years ago. Okay. So at eight years after that, I'm inviting you to come back mm-hmm. and give a healing arts gathering. It's funny. Cause I, 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 I remember, um, coming to the healing arts gathering and I had committed to it. And, um, I had just come back from my first trip to Peru and I start, I was starting my shamanic training and I was, I was in a panic attack. I was in a full blown healing crisis. I guess you could say a healing crisis. And, um, I said, I'm going to do this talk, even though I'm in a panic attack. (laughs) And I shared that with the group. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I haven't had one of those since. And it, it was, um, it's one of the gifts that I can offer from my experience is, um, walking towards things that scare you. And as we walked here today, and I told you I'm scared, but I'm really not scared because I'm doing all the technical aspects of mm-hmm. this podcast because the, the guy who is um, w- walking me through the learning process isn't here. And I call myself Techno Begno because my children used to call me that and they would laugh because, you know, I'm not so technical, but I'm learning. Mm. And I understand in a small way, it's the same thing. So we either can face our fears and walk through them or wait, or run. You know, there's no judgment in any of that. Mm -hmm. So when you came eight years ago, you had only once gone to Peru? Yes. Okay. So in eight years, that was the beginning of your, like, mentorship or actual walking into the world of healing by choice? Yeah. Um, After you were born into it and you moved here to do art, then you did... After I walked the Camino de Santiago, I realized that once you become a pilgrim, you're always a pilgrim. And whatever a pilgrim has in their backpack, they offer to the other person who needs it. So it's kind of like when you embrace that in yourself, then you just are open to what spirit's going to show you to do next. Right. So when I came back, I was like, well, what's next? And somebody said, well, Peter Bleard's having a, uh, a shamanic, uh, class. And I said, wow, I'd like to, I'd like to try that. And so I, it was within four months that I was in that class and I met, um, you know, Peter, I kind of knew a little bit and Karen Duncan was there. And, um, Karen Duncan is one of my teachers that said yes to the, Divine Feminine Journey and took us to Peru for seven years, her and Judy Bath. And um, Karen um, offered an invitation to go to Peru. So within six months of walking the Camino, I had taken this class and was in Peru. And, um, and it was all because of Karen Duncan and the words that she spoke that the Divine Feminine Spirits of Peru were asking for the women to come to learn. So and you said yes. I said yes thinking oh you know I was just a spiritual tourist. I wanted to s- experience that. I love to experience things. Because you we're know curious. that Becca. Yeah. <laughs> I love having experiences. And so when um they asked if you were if I was if this group would commit to 7 years. I uh I remember being in this the room is black. There's no light. And I remember my hand going halfway up and down to my lap really fast. But, <laughs> but I think they saw it, that it was a raised hand. And, uh, yeah, 
And it was raised enough. It was raised to say, I commit to being seven years. Wow. So um, we have some uh, experiences together. And um, we can uh, talk about some of our experiences together. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> technical. Oh. It was a technical glitch. We lost our computer screen, and Becca's trying to hold it together. And it was like, good job. She didn't freak out. <laughs> we can start all over if we no. have to. <laughs> uh, so the... While you were doing what you were doing, mm-hmm. okay, in my own journey, um, I, I went into healing because I had been ill. And so I like to tell people, you don't have to be sick to become a healer because we all can. And you are uh, a prime example of you just followed your heart. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was here thinking, well, I'd probably never go anywhere, and it doesn't even matter if I do. But the people here have as much to offer as the people in the whole world. So I did this healing arts gatherings that we do once a month, and we'll be doing, um, you'll be doing it again at the end of June. So um, I am creating community for people like you and people who are here. So as we connect to, to the world, then when they come here to sing and dance and do music and revel in the culture and the hospitality, they can also tap into our depth. Mm. So um, in the eight years since you came then and you're here now, um, you and I have, you know, offered our services at the Black Pot Festival and we we thought about coming together in the internet world, but then we didn't. And you did, you become a part of the healing element. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Or anything else that we yeah. you did between? We, well, we, um, I had that new moon circle. Remember that? You came to that. I, uh, yeah. yeah we, we did a little bit of that. That was really fun. The new men, new moon, reclaim belonging, new moon women's circle. That was um, one of the things that I started. And uh, then th- we were kind of seeing that there was a need for healers to gather. Right. And, Be- and Becca was the first person I thought of because she already had the healing um, arts collective. And I thought, wow, you know, that would be awesome. So, you know, sometimes you have an idea and the idea doesn't have to be hard, but because you're in your mind you only know a hard way of doing it. <laughs> so so we were in that mindset of like, it, and it, it, it didn't have to be, but it was kind of timing because then within, I don't know, a year later, somebody just made a Facebook group and it was just that easy. And we were trying to do it in a, in a way that didn't need to happen. Because we only know how to do things in a way that we want it to fit into the world as we know it. Right. And, and it, we're not trying to work in the world as we know it. And when you have an idea that's this big, how do you bring it down and say, we're going to do this? I understand. Yeah. I understand. Because we're here to work with the world and be in the world, but not create another institution. And it doesn't have to uh, be hard anymore. No. And so... So after that experience, I was like, well, you know, we don't want to take what you created because that wasn't the idea of it. It was just a way of being, 
you know, and your name was already perfect. So, but, so we just kind of put that down, right? And then, so from that became this thing called the healing element. So we wanted to offer the community uh, a plug and play um, healing experience. So you could say you, uh, you wanted to hire the healing elements for your gathering. So you would take uh, and say, I want um, shamanic, some shamanic uh, ceremony, maybe a ritual, maybe, you know, maybe we'd do a water, a fire, some kind of element thing. And, and then maybe we would like some drumming, we'd like some little music, maybe some expression of play and dance and stuff. So we, and Qigong, so we had a bunch of people that just said, okay, I'd like to be part of that. We had an artist and, you know, a um, couple of ritual people. And, and this is just planning the website and the page? So the healing elements just became this group right. that had a little Facebook group. And then, uh, so then we said, well, hey, let's just do a trial. And so people can see what this is like. So, uh, uh, two years ago at the Fire and Water Festival in Arneville, we had a plug-in festival called the Healing Elements. Yeah. Yay. And so we had art, you know, we had an, a healing art um, table and we had drummer, we had a drumming circle and we had um, Ohm Balance was there and Neil came out with his van and did yoga and gonging and we had Qigong outside in the field. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It was um, gorgeous. We had healers in the Brooke, barn. Brooke had her cards. There were healers in the barn. And oh, that was the next one. That was Conscious Living Expo. Oh, that was the second one. Okay, yeah, That yeah. was the second one. So the healing, the healing elements was the first one. And then we said, wow, that was so successful. Let's make our own festival, which is then called I Conscious forget. Living Expo. Yes. Okay. The healing elements put on Conscious Living Expo. Way cool. That happened in November, and it was very successful. Yeah. Actually, so I didn't end up. I ended up going to Standing Rock, so I didn't end up. I remember that now. Coming, yeah. so you can maybe explain what that was like for you. Well, I mean, you had set up individual booths, so if you wanted a session with someone, you could. And some of the people have been doing this work here forever, and some were new people that just wanted to participate. Um, I didn't get to go till later in the day, but it was wonderful. There were people who had cards and doing some divination, and Neil was there with his van, and it. There was also uh, Ashana and Peter and Michael Doucet did sacred music, and um, it was just wonderful. You know, it's like kind of a a free spirit get together, but nobody's recruiting you for anything, mm-hmm. and you don't wonder where you have to go. And I kind of think, did you ever see little children play soccer? Yes, they just follow the ball. Yeah. They don't know what to do, but they follow the ball. And they don't realize if they spread out and stand on their own, they have a better chance of kicking the ball around. And and I think we were like those little children who played soccer. Mm. Like we had to follow the ball to do this. This person's doing that and we and we did it because we, we just we were all about this ball of light and love and energy and whatever. I'm not quite sure if that makes sense, but you get it, right? Yeah, it does. And so now we can kinda like stand on our own and do our own things and and get together in love and support, but it doesn't have to be that I do what you do, and you never have to do what I do, because do we ever really know what we're actually doing? Mm-hmm. I hope I never know what exactly. I'm doing. Exactly. And, you know, I always say with humor that this work is mindless. That's why I can do it so well. Mm-hmm. So it's beyond the intellect, mm-hmm. which we kind of knew that, but it doesn't mean we don't have an intellect. Mm-mm. 
And it's not emotional, but it's through passion and compassion, which is part of our emotional body. And it's, it's bringing in spirit where spirit lives beyond specific ways of worship. Mm-hmm. So like you can be Jewish and you can be Catholic and you can be a shaman or you can be a traitor or you can be a man or you can be a woman because the divine feminine is, is not about a gender thing either. Mm. Yeah. I don't like to use the label thing. Like, I have shamanic techniques, but I would say a shaman is a person, like I could say I learned from the shamans of the high Indies of Peru. I was initiated as a Humpy Kamayuk, which is a medicine woman in, in the, in the native language. I have initiated in that and I'm, I'm honored to call myself a Humpy Kamayuk, but I don't call myself a shaman. Right. Mm-mm. Right. I humbly let that be for the people that understood it was time to come down and bring this to the Western people, the Western world. Yeah. It's not mine to own that. Yeah. I understand. Um, I was, I went to a, a, a yoga thing in Homa. And you know, when you stop and think about this, yoga in Homa, Louisiana. You know, like, we think yoga doesn't belong here, but it does. It belongs everywhere. So I went to, to Homa, and uh, a guru was there. I don't even remember his name, and I don't know what a guru does, but he was all in white, and I really loved him because he was obese. And it made me happy to see someone out of shape and holy and doing this work. <laughs> So we, you know, and, and, and he was so wonderful. And he said, you know, I, I trained for 10 to 20 years to learn this technique. He goes, I'm going to give this to y'all tonight. The world needs healing now. We don't need to wait 10 to 20 years while you do whatever I think you ought to do before I think you should do this. Mm. We're getting it to you now. Mm. And I think what is, what I have, um, observed is that um, people who have said yes, whether your hand was halfway or all the way up, that that when you say yes, what you need is going to come to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to become that. No. Okay, because I learned Reiki, but I'm not a Buddhist. And then I got the Tretar prayer, but I consider myself a retired Catholic because I'm not as rigid in following what I thought I had to do at one time. And and I learned healing touch with nurses, but hello, I'm not a nurse. And I learned how to do work with essential oils, but I don't train people in that. So, you know, I think we're kind of, each of us and most, most people who do work, um, I'm an energy worker, but I, I'm not necessarily a teacher and I don't understand everything about energy work, but that we are a, an eclectic gathering of everything that has come to us. Mm. And what I'm seeing in young people is that they have these gifts and they don't know what to do with them. <laughs> well, you didn't know what to do, Mm-mm. and neither did I. And I can't tell them what to do, but I can say, well, I'll walk with you while you're figuring it out. <laughs> you know, it's like a uh, like spiritual direction is really just walking with that person. 
Mm. till they figure it out. And I see a lot of people being woken up to their gifts in all different places, Mm. not in this church or that church or this school or that school or this modality or that modality. And so I think because we've been doing this long enough and we are grandmothers and we have gray hair, and I'm proud to say I earned every one of mine, that that we can offer... um, um, I don't know. What can we offer? Well, I feel um, really strongly that, you know, my question that when I meet people um, lately is, what's your vision? Because as a, um, as a humpy kamayak or a medicine woman, we've learned that um, if you're on your knees praying, it's too late. You have to get yourself into what do you want to be? What do you want to create? How do you want to see the world? Exactly. Like, what do you want to contribute to? So if... Yeah, yeah. It's being I want proactive. It just to be... I, I want to be like a pilgrim that has everything I need in my backpack, and I have what you need, too. So that me, let me be the love. Exactly. So... I was at a party yesterday, and I had this flying heart on, and someone said, is that a heart? I said, yeah, it's got wings. I'm like, yeah. Well, what is it? What does it do? I said, well, it does whatever my heart and your heart <laughs> needs, so what do you need? He says, how about a hug? So it's, it's really simple. It's right. just love. And, you know, it always was. It's always. So, like, yeah. we, we had symbols from our own cultures or from our own faiths. Mm-hmm. And so one of the Christian symbols is the cross. And then the Catholic symbol has the corpus on the cross, like the body on the cross, but the Protestants don't have it. And so what is the, what is the cross? Well, it was symbolic of execution. So if Jesus were born today and he went to the electric chair, we would all wear electric chair necklaces <laughs> because we were associating our faith with the man who brought love and not competition and not he he brought love and loving community and in this world he he was not honored and so the love we bring is not necessarily a love that's going to become an institutional love, but it can serve everyone in every institution. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when I was little, you wore metal according to what you needed, and we all had the plastic Jesus on the glove, on the dashboard. Okay, so the Jesus was going to keep you safe while you drove. Well, we all want to be safe when we drive. But if you're going 100 miles an hour, or if you have had too much to drink, you know, Jesus can't really do that much. And and so <laughs> the symbol that you wear is only symbolic of what you actually do. Yeah, and, and, and when I think about the cross and and the way it holds the four directions and the center point of exactly. stillness of the unity of, of creator, there's there's a symbol, even in the Nazi swastika was a very sacred symbol that that was usurped hijacked yeah Yeah, hijacked i wear a spiral which is 
I feel like it's a spiral like a Fibonacci or the, you know, sacred geometry or phi or it's on all of, it's, it's in humans. It's in, it's in a pine cone. It's in a sunflower. Is it in like the symbol for festival international? Yeah. Yeah. There's a symbol of creation in the spiral. Yeah. And it's a hidden secret that in our, in our very nature, if we, if we all connected to our very nature, we wouldn't destroy the very nature that's us. But our very There's no nature. disconnect between God and us. Exactly. God is in us. We are a spiral just like nature spirals. Exactly. And the numbers are one, one, two, right? Right. You know. So two, five, and then it just it adds. That's how a leaf on a on a vegetable plant grows. One leaf, two, then one and one, two, then you have three leaves. It grows in a spiral as you see an oak tree or a pine cone. So, and, and what I hear you saying is that as you were born into a family, so you could be who you were, and then at some point you had to become who you were because you didn't know who you were at first. Yeah, I've been... Uh, and we've all kind of like... I heard a story one time about there was an eagle that was raised by some chickens, so he didn't know he could fly. And, and so we're all born and learning who we really are, whether it's like our family or not like our family, mm-hmm. but our family unit gives us the opportunities to rub against them or grow with them or grow without them or or grow against them, whatever. But it's about growing until we get who we are. And then we can... That, that's a whole lot of what I, I heard you saying. I kept thinking about the eagle and the chicken. Well, you know, um, I love that Bruce Lipton's research. And um, he did this research with uh, stem cells. And he put, like, a cell in an environment. And it grew into what the environment was. Right. So... If it was in the environment of a heart, it grew into heart muscle. If it was environment of a bone, it grew into bone. So we are, we can grow into, but we have to be really conscious of our environment. Right. So, and that is like our personal choice. What do you want to grow into? Right. And that's why when you said like, you have to decide what you want, when I heard you say that, it's like, if I want to bring love and peace and harmony into the world, then I have to choose activities and I have to choose people and I have to choose that way. Yes. And if I choose that way, then I don't have to be worried about no anything else. I like to, my latest expression, I, I do some, on my website, I do like writing. I, I, I'm in a writer, a writing group. And so I let spirit write through me so it's kind of like spirit writing and um i see the world right now as a bunch of people in these carts that are trying to push their carts around and it's like our egos you know and it's not about not loving our ego it's about actually loving that little cute person that's trying to make things happen but basically um what i'm experiencing right now is letting my higher self my best self or my God self, if you want to call it that, to animate me for my next action. So um, one of my friends who walked the Camino, Becky, said, 
What's my, what's my next divine appointment? Let me see what that is. And let me show up to be that, what that person needs for, for my divine appointment. Instead of trying to make things happen, allow myself to be in service to what is. Yeah. I don't know how many years ago, but I read a book called The Sacrament of the Divine Moment. And what you're talking about is being who you are with your highest self and their highest concern involved and just serve as they need Mm -hmm. so that maybe you took a vow of something that you have to do a certain thing a certain way or like, you know, we're not supposed to speed. But if you cut yourself, I'm going to speed and rush you to the hospital. So I never know if my action is going to be called to go slow or go the speed limit or go fast. And we never know what we're going to be called to do. And what we're called to do may or may not fit into the box we were born into. Or So it's about being able to be open to beyond the courts we push around. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's the other thing that I'm thinking, you know, Free your mind up. Make your own decision. Don't believe anyone else. Like, become the teacher within, like, so that if you quiet yourself and not be pushing your cart around all the time, you might actually have a decision that's out of your box and might get you someplace that's truly amazing. Exactly. And anytime you have two, two, um, um, Okay, you can either choose to to go to school or get a job, but one is not more right than the other. Mm-mm. Okay, so when you start getting the, I'll make a list of the pros and cons, and I'll, you know, it's like just do one and without any judgment. If you like it, stay. You can't make a wrong decision, but when you stop and have to decide that one is right and one is wrong, then you're like kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And you can't be creative in that moment mm-hmm. because you because it's like you're going to either do this or do that, or you're going to either do what your mama says or what your daddy says. So mostly we like to play one against the other if you have two parents. But well, this is a different. This is if you looked at it in the in like like let's take a let's take the eagle view. Okay, okay so now the eagle can fly. It's an, it knows it's not a chicken. So if we're if we're flying up high, we see that there's feminine kind of energy and there's masculine energy and in our world today we have a dominator society that dominates dominates like it doesn't allow our our feminine globally to be um, honored and respected and so it's we both as a woman and as a man we have feminine and masculine hormones so if I'm a feminine person that is working in the masculine world, I can be more of a man than than a man that's working in in the more oh, feminine yeah. world. So I could be a very imbalanced, very dominated, feminine, uh, unbalanced um, person. We'd be a dominating woman, that's but you right. wouldn't even be feminine at all. Right. And so I feel that this place we are right now – and where I am, it's 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 learning to be in balance with my masculine and feminine. Yeah, because the feminine is the womb or the nurturing, 
and and the masculine gives form to that mm-hmm. and action into you, getting things done and going out into the world and you know I got to get this done and, and I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to move that it's, right we need both and so uh, the a masculine form would be like an obelisk or mm-hmm. the Empire State Building or something okay and the feminine form would be a bowl, a bowl right. So you need to gather things in a bowl and then let the world know what you have. You can't. It's like the chinupa, yeah. like in the in the Native American tradition. Exactly. And the chinupa, you have the pipe stem and you have the pipe bowl, and we need both. And they both they need to be honored for for what they are. So an imbalanced feminine, you know, that has no no masculine isn't isn't balanced and uh, over emasculated without the feminine doesn't so it's a call to be a a um a good balance like in our masculine and our feminine within our own i get it i really understand what you're saying and lately you know to be masculine and then to be feminine is a pendulum that swings so kind of we go one way and the other but to sustain that balance Mm -hmm. Is to honor both sides. Yes. A lot of what has happened since our generation is that this consumerism and having more, and so we don't know how to fit the masculine and feminine in this, in this money or more is better society. And so we're looking for the money from that to support the feminine. And it can't. So we're going to have to be creative when we're looking for solutions. Does that make sense, what I just said? Well, mm, can you elaborate on what I said? (laughs) I think that if if you were to look at the masculine in the world, it is is like, well, I'm going to conquer. I'm going to, I'm going to dominate. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to make the most money. And, and, you know, I care about me and my paternity and my, and my lineage and my family. And, and I know who they are. That's the dominating, like, yeah, and yeah. so if we went into the society that we cared about everyone because we didn't know if they were our children or not, and we, they're all our relatives, then we would care about everyone, whether they, I knew who they were or weren't. And I wouldn't have to survive for just my family. I would want to thrive for all the families. So then I would have everything I needed in my backpack for myself and for you. So it's, yeah, it's not about having an only enough for me and mine. It's a, it's us as as a un. We're all part of the human race. It's a global community. It's a global community. So here, or even in the world, we're all connected now. How could we have more than others and feel oh, yeah, that yeah. we always were connected? So here, the the Tretar is is a tradition that is held by uh, Native Americans and European Americans and African Americans. Who, who shared and served each other through this way. So if we as healers acted like the traitor in these three traditions, we could have world peace today. That's right. And that's kind of what... Maybe we'll get I from this you. podcast, Becca, we're going to have that, oh, yeah. that thing where the hundredth person hears it and it's a tipping scale. It's it's it's, time. it's already there. It's time. So I want to thank you because our time is up. Okay, for coming to see me and for participating in the Lucado podcast. Mm-hmm. And fun. um and I love you and thank you. You're now, welcome. I'll buy you coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
Thanks, Becca. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Le Cadeau Podcast. I'm your host, Becca Begno. Matt Roberts produced the show. Thanks to AOC Community Media for the use of their facilities. For information about AOC, you can visit aocinc.org. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. The views and opinions expressed on this or any program on the AOC Podcast Network do not reflect the views and opinions of Lafayette Consolidated Government, Cox Communications, LUS Fiber, AOC Community Media, its board of directors, or its staff. To learn more about becoming a community media producer, visit us on the web at aocinc.org.